Lord God, I praise you and I thank you tonight, Lord Jesus. I just ask that you would use my lips, Lord God, to speak your truth. And as we just dive into this, this word, Lord God, that you've, you've guided me to, these scriptures, Lord God, I just pray that you would make them alive in our hearts tonight, Lord God. I praise you and I thank you in your mighty and powerful name we pray, amen. amen. All right, so I'll give you a, a quick recap of last week. We started to talk about our soul gates. And there are, there are main areas that things get into our soul. Our ears, our eyes are the two main areas which anything gets into our, 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 our being. And anything that gets into your being gets into your soul. It goes in there and your soul basically thinks about these things. Your will, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions process the things that we see, the things that we hear, and the things that we are a part of because of those two aspects of our lives. And we talked about the, the, the best way to protect our ears, that gate into our soul, is through hearing God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. And as we read the word with our eyes and we see it, we should spend time speaking it out loud. That for me is the one reason why, and I, when I was younger, I used to be good at memorizing Bible scriptures and I never really found the purpose of it, to be quite honest with you. I thought, well, why do I have to memorize it? I can go and I can just read it. I can go and I can look it up. But I actually was very good at memorizing it. And in, in Sunday school, I would win the prizes for remembering the Bible verses and, and keeping track of what they were. And, and I was the little Mr. Goody Two-Shoes that everyone didn't like so much because I was winning the prizes for the Bible scripture readings. I don't know why I didn't stick with it, but for whatever reason, I mean, it just didn't seem to be that important for me. Now it seems very important for me, but not so that I can just bring a scripture up to mind so I can tell somebody, oh, you know what the Bible says about that, although that's good. It's important to me because every once in a while I find myself in a situation where I have to hear God's word in order to remember what it said. So it's nice to be able to, to, to say a word, to be able to say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's a scripture. That's important. And, and hearing it said by my own voice creates this, this connection between me and the Father. And, and then it protects my soul gate that is my ear. And our eyes. You know, we talked about how eyes are this very interesting thing. That you can see what is coming, but you can also project where you need to be going. And, and the things that you take in by your sight, you can't let them determine your destiny. You have to process them correctly. Our sight has this different ability to trick us into to moving a wrong direction or making us fearful or making us speak things out. So as we, we started to go through these two things, our eyes, protecting our eyes, protecting our ears, protecting the gates of our soul, it made me understand a little bit more why our speech is as powerful as it is. And last week was very weighty. I felt like it was very meaty. It was a very deep word. And I didn't feel like we got to spend sufficient amount of time on the speech aspect of it. We got to the very end and we started talking about how the gate into our soul that is our mouth, the mouth portion is actually more of an out gate than it is an in gate. There's not a whole lot coming into your mouth 
that goes directly into your soul, unless you're talking about really good soul food. And I think that that's why they call the really good food the soul food. So I wanted to spend a little bit of time tonight talking a little bit more about the most difficult gate to tame that is our mouth. But tonight I would like to start by talking about treasure. It was funny, me and Dave had lunch yesterday and he brought up a point that had already been determined in my mind and in my heart and in my praying to speak about a little bit more tonight, and that is treasure. Because when you look at the importance of the soul, the soul becomes ever more important when you realize that when you have, you have this treasure in your heart. Anything that you decide is important. You just shift inside to be a little bit more feng shui there, Leilani. Leilani saw a more comfortable chair, so she shifted over. So now I got to resituate. There you go. All right. There you go. Settle in. Settle in. Everybody who's listening on the podcast, Leilani is just settling in. And she is settled. Kind of. Settled. You're kind of settled. That's right. So open your Bibles up if you got them, if you want to. If you don't, you can just listen. Matthew chapter 6. And why would we start with treasure? Because, as God's word says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the heart is basically what we talk about when we talk about our soul. Talk about heart and soul, right? Which I guess is different in African countries. Did you know that there is an African country that views the liver as more important than the heart? The liver is actually the heart of the soul. That's where the, the soul lives is in your liver. Because it's, yeah, because it purifies your blood. So they view it as a purification. They look at it, they look at the heart as nothing more than just a pump. And they view the liver as this part of the body that purifies it. So when they translated the Bible into this certain um, language in Africa, they actually had to translate it so that anything that had heart in it had, was, was liver. Isn't that funny? Interesting. Very interesting. Huh. So we're going to stick with heart, though, because liver just doesn't sound right to me. I love you with all of my liver. That's right. Not the liver, the heart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves can break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and do not steal. For where your treasure is... There will your heart also be. And as we talked about last week a little bit, you know, when Jesus died for our sins, we changed the dichotomy of the way we view heaven and the temple and where God resides. That's why we started to talk about the body is the temple. Paul preached it vehemently. Your body is the temple of God. He resides inside your spirit. The Holy Spirit stamps you, sanctifies you, and brings you into communion with God. So if wherever your treasure is, your heart there will be also, it kind of takes on a little bit of extra meaning for us. So I would say this to anybody who reads this scripture and says, um, oh, what is, this? what is this saying to me? The first thing that you, you think of is you actually think to yourself, oh, well, I, it means that I shouldn't care about anything here on earth. I should only care about things that are in heaven. Because if I care about things that are in heaven, then my heart will be with the Lord. Well, that's not really the way that we're supposed to do this. 
because we can't bypass the fact that we treasure our family. I assume, Barbara, that you come see Leslie because she's important to you. She's a treasure to you. She's your child. She's important. You can't just say, uh, I, I'm not going to treasure I'm not going to treasure her. I'm going to store up all my treasures in heaven where, where moth and rust do not. No, you treasure her in your heart. But as a parent, I, I know this too. I look at my kids and I see them getting older and I, I start to understand more that, that they are not always going to be with us in our home. That they are not going always to be as close. So what am I supposed to do when they grow up and they move? And all of a sudden this treasure that has been with us in our home is somewhere else. Am I going to worry about them? Or am I going to put them through the treasure trove that is heaven? Being this, am I going to trust that the Lord is going to take care of them and everything that we've taught them is going to be prevalent to them to the point where they're going to be just fine? And even if they're not, God's word has promises to it. Raise a child up in the way they will go and when they are old, they will not depart from it. Doesn't mean they won't scurry away from time to time because we all scurry away from time to time. There's not one person on the face of the earth that doesn't go through a time of rebellion and chooses to do the things the way that they want to do them. But we have to trust. I have to trust that my kids, even when they rebel, that in the long run, because I've washed them through the treasure trove of heaven, I've taught them, I've prayed for them, I've stored up that treasure in heavenly places. When I pray, I say, Lord, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're basically saying, Lord, your will be done in my child's life as it is in heaven. Lord, your will be done in my job as it is in heaven. It's taking the things that are important to us and washing them by the treasure troves of heaven. That's what it means to treasure things in heaven. That's what it means to take everything that you love and kind of dissect it through God's eyes. Because we can't deny that we have these treasures. But if you treasure something more than what you would when you put it in God's hands, how do I want to say this? If you don't treasure it in the way that God wants you to treasure it, it becomes idolatry. So if you basically say, Lord, I, I want to deal with this myself. I don't want you to touch it. I don't want you to do anything with it. This part of my life you can have, but this part of my life you cannot have. Then that part of your life that you do not let him be in charge of becomes idolatry. And it's very, very tricky to understand idolatry versus God's goodness. And let me tell you, God's goodness is always better, even though the idolatry feels better at the time. Idolatry always feels better at the time. We always view idolatry as though we're, you know, the, the golden calf comes down off the mountain and they worship the golden calf and Moses gets angry and throws the Ten Commandments at the golden calf. That's, yes, that's a form of idolatry. But idolatry is when we're not willing to put the things that we treasure most into God's hands. Because we're scared that he might purify them in a way that when we get it back, we won't like what we have. Does that make sense? We have to be willing to let him purify the things. Because when you get down to Luke chapter 6, you realize that the treasures that you hold in your heart, the things that you hold in your heart, they actually begin and continue to affect your soul. Luke chapter 6, verses 45 says this. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth what is evil. For with his mouth, 
speaks from that which fills his heart. Did you know that the things that you speak about when you're not thinking, okay, when you think and you process things through, through your brain and you're thinking before, it, what, is it, what, did, what did our moms always teach us? Think before you speak. Don't just speak out of whatever is, it wants to come out, but process the things that you speak before you let them come out of your mouth. It's called keeping your tongue. We've all learned this over time, yeah? Some of us better than others. I would not say that it's something I'm very good at, although I'm still a work in progress, thank God, right? But this scripture very elegantly says, out of the abundance or out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. Whatever you put into your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. It's going to come out. So it's important for us to not just keep our, our brain from letting us say the things that we want to, but if there's something that you find yourself wanting to say that you know is something you shouldn't say, you should stop and ask yourself, why? What is the abundance in my heart that makes me want to say that when I know it's not the right thing to say? And we can take this a step further. We, we, you can actually begin to see that you start to say these things about yourself sometimes. Does anybody ever, you, you want to say something bad about yourself? You're like, I just don't like this about myself. I just don't like that about myself. All of a sudden, this abundance of how you really feel inside starts to pour out. We talked about it last week. Why does that harm our soul gates? Well, how does it harm our soul? Because you start to hear yourself say. So you've affected two gates at once. All of a sudden, things are starting to are starting to come out of your mouth and you hear them coming out of your mouth and it just ratifies everything that you already thought about yourself. You're hearing it. It's being verbalized by the most important that will ever, most important person that will ever speak into your life besides the Lord, you. Because let's be honest, even people who don't like themselves, they are the most important person to themselves, are they not? I am the most important person to me on a daily basis. How do I know this? Because I take care of myself more than I take care of anybody else. Because throughout the day, when I do things, I do them in order so that I know that I'm going to do it the way that I want to get it done. So if that's the case, and all of a sudden the things that come out of my mouth are negative, the person that matters to you the most, you hear saying things about the person that you care about the most. And then it just becomes this cyclical in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. And it starts to destroy and it starts to rust and it starts to corrode the treasure that is in your heart. The goodness that God has put into your heart. The goodness that God made that is your heart. Is this helping? It's helping me. So you get down to Proverbs and Proverbs is full of amazing goodness. And I, it was very funny because after last week, um, Walter and Renee, who have the church that meets here on Sundays, Destiny Outreach, she posted a picture of all of the scriptures in Proverbs that talk about the mouth and the tongue and the speech. And I was surprised at how many there are. But there was only one that really caught my attention. There was one that was really, really prevalent. And it made me think about another one that was in Proverbs. And I'm going to share both of them with you right, right now. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 says this. 
With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the produce of his lips. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. We all know this. We've all heard the scripture many times. That power, you know, this isn't even, this scripture is one of the most quoted scriptures as, as just a proverb in and of itself. Aside from the Bible, I bet you that if I said power of life and death is in the tongue, that many, many people have heard that spoken before. And we always look at it as this, this thing that if, if, I, if I speak life over someone, then they're going to have life. Or if I speak death into someone, that, that, that it's going to create something bad. If I say nice things to people, then nice things will happen. And if I say bad things to them, then bad things will happen because of how they react. But in light of everything that we've talked about so far, actually what I've come to the conclusion is this. Our own body lives and dies based off of the things that come out of our own mouth. The edification process comes from our own mouth. Is it any surprise that when you get into the New Testament, and I'm not going to start talking in tongues right now, but let's talk about tongues for a second. When Paul talks about speaking in the Spirit, speaking in a foreign tongue, a heavenly language, what does he say? He says that that actually edifies yourself more than it edifies someone else. So that when people come into the church, he actually would rather that we prophesy to each other and we speak to each other about the goodness of God because that will be edifying to you. But when we pray in tongues, we edify who? We edify ourselves. That's why I think it's so beautiful that when you get down to it and Paul starts to talk about speaking in tongues, he actually says that he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And then when you get even further into it in Romans, he says that when I don't know what to pray, I don't know what to ask God for, and I want to say these horrible things, Lord God, I feel like a dog, Lord Jesus, I feel like I can't do it. I feel like you've made something evil, you've made something wrong, and just fix me. That's not what he would like us to pray. What he would like us to do is take a step back, and if you don't know what to pray, he says pray in the spirit it's praying in the spirit can take on many 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 forms being in the spirit can take on many 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 different forms some people just pour their heart out like rebecca you just pour your heart out on the piano she doesn't know what to say so how does she edifies herself she edifies herself she edifies herself by playing something beautiful something that as it comes into the ear it, it brings a light to the soul and a light to the eye a lightness to the heart that's what speaking in the Spirit for me, praying in the Spirit for me does. It edifies when I don't know how to edify myself. Because let's face it, we don't always know what we need to hear. Have you ever found yourself in a, in a time where you're just like, man, I don't know what I want to hear right now, but I got to hear something. And everything I'm hearing isn't what I need. I said it to earlier, or earlier this week, I was driving to work after being on the phone and I can't remember what the conversation was, but uh, I got off the phone and I realized that the words that were coming out of my mouth, I didn't like them. And I kept saying to myself, too many words, too many words. And I said it over and over again, too many words, too many words, too many words. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, what do I need to do? Because right now all I hear is words in and out. And I don't feel like there's life in my words at the moment. It comes back to Thanksgiving. It always seems to come back to Thanksgiving. When you don't like the words that are coming in and out, you can always take a step back and thank God for who he is. And thank God for what he's done. And thank God for what he will continue to do. 
That's how we start to change what's coming in and out of our souls. All of a sudden, when you start to speak the goodness of God, you hear the goodness of God, and then you start to use your eyes not to see the goodness of God, but to search for the goodness of God. You start to see how God is moving in a different and new way. You start to connect the dots between, oh, you know what, God, God brought us to this point so that we would understand how to deal with this over here. I'm excited because Rebecca and I, by the time we get through the, the current trial that we've been through, we're going to be able to minister to people that have been through chronic pain problems and fully understand how to care for them and how to edify them and how to speak goodness into their lives, how to help them learn how to speak goodness into their own lives when they don't feel like speaking goodness into their own lives. Because I can tell you firsthand the time that it is most difficult for someone to speak goodness into their own life is when their body isn't working the way that they know that it should be working. Biggest pitfall for somebody. You look at your body, you're like, it's not working the way it should be working. And you want to curse it. You don't want to speak blessing onto it. You get to the point where you don't even want to take care of it. You get to the point where you don't feel like you can take care of it. So the soul directly is... is um, linked to being able to take care of our physical body. We have to protect our soul gates. But if we really, 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 really want to do this, you want to protect your soul, then you got to learn how to speak properly. You know what Jesus said it best? He says, I only pray and I only say and I only do the things that I see the Father doing. Well, when did he see the Father doing these things? Because it's not like God the Father was down in front of him during his ministry and doing the things, and he wasn't watching Father God do them. When did he learn? When did, when did this happen when he said, I only do what I see my Father doing? Well, it happened in his prayer life. It happened when he took a step back and he came away from the crowd. Did he ever see God the Father walk on water? I don't know. He must have because he did it. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. So how did he recognize that he could do it? He recognized it while he spent time with the Father in prayer, letting the Father feed his soul. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to start to view our prayer time as intense fellowship with your soul. Letting God heal and wash your soul. Letting him prepare your soul. So that you can recognize when you see Father God doing something and then you feel comfortable to go ahead and give it a shot. Because that's what Jesus did. That's how Jesus did it. And Jesus, he, he, his soul was vexed at times as well. He came to a point where his soul was overwhelmed. It says he looked out over the crowd and he had compassion on them to the point where he started to feel upset to his stomach and had tears flowing down his face. Does that sound like somebody who feels completely comfortable in their soul at that point? No. But his soul was doing exactly what it was designed to do. The soul is designed to be a manifestation of what God the Father is in, in heaven is doing. That's why we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive those who, who have caused us evil and, and, and forgive us in return. Our soul yearns to be a manifestation on earth of what's going on in heaven. So we need to figure out how to clear the way. 
Because the only reason the soul doesn't manifest what's going on in heaven is because we, we get it clogged up from time to time. This will help. Speaking God's word will help. Speaking God's word out loud with the knowledge that it is scrubbing the filter of the soul will bring us to a greater understanding of how our soul connects. How our soul connects with other people. How our soul properly motivates us. How our soul properly defends us from not moving forward in something that we shouldn't be moving forward in. You see, our soul is connected with the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says. He starts to talk about speaking in tongues as, as though it is a direct connection between the Holy Spirit and God the Father. And the Holy Spirit actually is before God the Father and makes groans that are not understandable by human ears on our behalf. Why? So that our soul can manifest on earth what God is doing in heaven. So that our soul can be protected as we manifest the goodness of God, as we relate with other people, so that God can protect our soul from not putting itself into ungodly soul ties, so that all of the ties between our soul and other people's will be good and godly and holy before him and cause every living person that we come in contact with to come to one conclusion and one conclusion only, that we have uh, the Holy Spirit residing inside of us and together with each other via the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit and surrounded by the Holy Spirit are going to get a job done. We can do this. It makes it a little bit easier to understand too because here's the other thing. We don't have the ability to scrub our own soul. We have the ability to protect it. We have the ability to maintain the gates of our soul, making sure that they're properly washed, oiled, cleaned, protected, that the guards are around our soul. We talked about it last week. We talked about how you can protect your soul. But we don't have the, the ability to save our soul. We don't have the ability to prolong our soul. We don't have the ability to stamp our soul with everlasting life. But we do know the one who does, Jesus. It always comes back to that one simple fact. What is the relationship of our soul with us right now as it relates to Jesus? Are there things that I'm treasuring in my heart more than Jesus? Are there things that I'm doing in my life that I know are wrong, but I don't care because I, I want to do them more than I want to let Jesus wash my soul and wash my heart? And I'm not saying that just because you're doing something that is rebellious, that means that you're going to go to hell. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, do you want to know the fullness that God has for your soul? Even through the hard times, even through the tough times, do you want to see what the tough times look like after they've been washed via the Holy Spirit? Because you treasure it in heaven more than you treasure it on earth. Proverbs. We're not going to go long tonight. Because I don't think we need to go long tonight. Proverbs 21. Verse 23 says this. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles think about that so it does come back to what our, what our what our parents always taught us think before you speak but i'm not going to tell you to think before you speak in terms of hurting someone else 
I want you to start to think before you speak in terms of yourself. And if you go to say something that is not good about yourself, stop. Because what the enemy is trying to do is trying to get you to, to, to fall into this, this unending, circular issue of you're saying things that are going bad, they're coming out of your mouth, and it's going into your ear, and therefore your eye doesn't know what it's looking for. We've got to get to the place where we speak what we know is true, even though we don't feel like it, so that we hear it, so that our eye hears it. And faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing, not by seeing. But when faith comes by hearing, the faith turns into looking. Because we don't need to see, we need to look. We need to know how to look right. We need to know how to look for what we need to look for and bring that into our lives. Everybody can see that has eyes that are functional. But not everybody knows what to look for. How can we get to the point where we know what to look for? Simple. Speak God's truth. Hear God's truth. And then you will be looking for that which you need to look for. At the time that you need to look for it and for the purposes that you need to use it for. Father God, I praise you and I thank you tonight. I praise you because you have saved our souls. And for anybody that might be listening on the podcast that doesn't know the Lord, it's very simple. It's a simple process to know the Lord. All you have to do is confess with your mouth. Get this. Think about this for a second. As I say it, think about it. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. When you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, whether it be on your own time or on this time, because I'm not one of those preachers that says, you got to come up front and speak it. You speak it when you know that it's true. When you come to the point where you know that it's true and you speak, Lord Jesus, you are God. You are Savior. And you hear yourself say it, something happens. A change where you have a desire to commit yourself unto the things of the Lord, even if they're difficult. And trust me, I know that it can be difficult to put aside what you want and trust what God has. But I'm going to tell you, the enemy will always try to make you feel like doing God's will is hard when it is not. And his will is for us to be with him and to be close to him, to be the sheep of his pasture, to be the children that he designed to function the way that he designed us to function, to heal us, whether it be through the hands of a doctor or through the hands of the Holy Spirit. To scrub our hearts clean, whether it be through the hands of, of a, a, a person that has a degree in counseling or whether it be the Holy Spirit who comes down and does it himself. And when you say that, when you speak those words, to Jesus, you are Lord. Something changes. The soul begins to live anew. And then it hungers and yearns for something that you cannot see with your eyes. That's why faith comes by hearing. By hearing by what? God's word. And then all of a sudden your eye learns what to look for. Learns how to look for it. And then begins to find the things here on earth that are ours to find, the treasures that are for us to have. 
And then in turn, we give those treasures back up to the Lord and we say, Lord God, your will for this treasure, not my will be done. Lord God, we thank you for that tonight. As we worship a little bit before we leave tonight, Lord God, we want to just ask that you would begin to show us how to maintain the outward gate that is our mouth so that we only speak that about ourselves that you speak, that we only say the things about ourselves that you would say, that in turn we would only do the things that have to do with ourselves that you would be doing, Lord God. And how beautiful it will be. We thank you for that tonight. In your mighty name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.